Hello and welcome everyone to our new weekly episode of CVS Pachem, the podcast about transatlantic security and American foreign policy. And we are your regular host, Dimitri and Vava. And today we have some topics for you uh, that we would like to present. Yes, we do. First of all, we're going to discuss uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, stance on foreign policy. Yes, since he managed to get quite ni- nice results in the Iowa caucus. He's definitely overlooked candidate. For sure. Then we move to Macron's foreign policy ambitions in connection to his visit to Poland this week and a speech on nuclear deterrence. And lastly, we're going to discuss um, the danger of low-yield nuclear weapons. So we have quite a lot of talks about nuclear weapons today. Yeah, which is like very important for our modern era. So let's jump straight into the first topic. So the first topic for us is Iowa, the results of Iowa caucuses, which is covered a bit. And we guess it's interesting for us as foreign policy nerds to discuss a little bit of Buttigieg's stance on foreign policy as he made quite some noise this week. So uh, up now, he, he he's a candidate who won most of uh, delegates from Iowa caucuses. Yes, for now we have 99% of the results from the commissions, yeah. uh, but it's pretty obvious now that probably he'll yeah. be the winner here. Yes, he's probably the winner. He definitely already behaves like a winner. He gave a speech uh, and so on. So interesting results, I guess, very unexpected. Totally. I guess he, you can still see that it's very club Bernie was very close to him. I mean, like almost... Just basically two, two votes less. Yeah margin of the votes and this means uh, we still have a very intense campaign going on we're gonna have uh, caucus, uh, we're gonna have um, primaries in New Hampshire and everything every vote gonna be important I guess definitely so let's just talk about Pete Buttigieg I guess as we didn't cover we didn't talk about him in our last episodes yes we, we did not i think m- yeah. many media outlets yeah. overlooked him we were guilty as well yeah. because nobody <laughs> expected that he would be a, yeah. a actor that would be that would matter so much on the, in the yeah. presidential race he does uh, for, for nomination first so yeah. i guess now that he matters i guess we should discuss mm-hmm. his views on foreign policy um, it's not that clear yeah. in many yeah. subjects. He does doesn't often comment yeah. some issues on foreign policy, but we have a brief. We can give you a brief overview on, of his yeah. stance on international relations. Yeah, definitely. Let's maybe start a little bit with his uh, biography. Just like mentioned that he served in the military in navy. He went to um, Harvard and Oxford, so he has pretty impressive. Biography. He Very well for, educated. Yeah, he worked for McKinsey for some time. Was a mayor of a city in the uh, state of Illinois, I guess. If I'm not, uh, yeah, I guess I'm correct. And well, so basically, he's um, from middle-income family, had impressive career, kind of, and now he's running for presidency. So, well, can we? Could you say that he's somehow kind of Obama 2.0? I mean. Uh you could say that, but uh, I think it would relate to the fact that he openly st- yeah. states that he's homosexual, yeah. which is unfortunately maybe an obstacle in the campaign. True. And uh, Obama was very successful mm-hmm. being elected the first uh, black president of the United States. Yeah. So here we have, again, someone with from a minority group yeah. running 
for the first time. Yeah, and I guess Obama had impressive career in uh, serving as a representative, as senator, and that also makes made made him more. Yeah, I guess more applicable to voters. But Budacic doesn't have a huge political career. He was no, only a mayor of a very small only town. Mayor and mainly just had this military experience and working for McKinsey. McKinsey. Yeah, so I guess if we talk about military, it's important for him personally. He he has a very strong position on withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, and as almost every every democratic candidate. Uh, but still, you see his personal attachment to this because he saw mm-hmm. people dying. He was in Afghanistan. He served there. I guess it's important for him if he becomes president to definitely commit himself to withdrawing troops from Afghanistan and from other um, from other conflict zones in the Middle East where you have uh, American troops stationed. Yes, but it's important to say that he is not an opponent of using force if necessary. Yep. He thinks that the U.S. should have a very strong military, should be able to use it, and yeah. when there is a need to do so, the U.S. Yeah. should do so. But yeah. he criticizes uh, the usage of military force uh, when it's not needed. And he said that many times the presidents of yeah. the U.S. would use their military purgatives uh, too fast True. and yeah. perhaps unnecessarily. Yeah, that's, that's also the case. Um, if we talk about, let's say, his anti-China sentiment, he's still pretty radical, but he's um, anti-tariff guy. He, he he thinks he cannot contain, he cannot harm China via tariffs because, first of all, you harm your own farmers, you harm your own economy, and yes, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, that's why other instruments maybe gonna be more applicable. Uh, for him, is he still very anti-Russian in terms of his position towards Russia is pretty hawkish. Yes, he said that he considers mm. Russia and as China a threat. as a threat, exactly. Yeah, so continuing this mainly Donald Trump's foreign policy agenda. Um, what else we can mention, I guess, um, I guess, yeah, uh, if you compare him, for example, to Sanders, he's pro-military guy because he thinks he should spend more on military, which is kind of incredible taking into account that the like, American budget is high enough, I guess, to um, meet yeah, all huge. the goals. But I guess it's still his military background and there's you know, never enough money for military, <laughs> you can say so. There's always something you can improve and modernize. Yeah. And um, he's very different from Bernie in, this ter- in these terms. Yeah, in these terms, I had some people you know compare him to Macron, mm-hmm. like the topic of our next um, discussion. But you can see some differences in terms of like both young candidates and unexpected, and at the same time you can see he's international. He knows quite some languages, um, and. He positions himself as very internationalist, as international person, that um, wants America to achieve not only its own goals but also to be kind of this uh, the um, guide, the guide, and to serve all other problems to help other countries deal with environment and so on. I guess it's also important to mention that he one of few candidates that supports um, nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. In the United States and I mean in other countries, uh, so to speak, 
I guess it's also important. He's like guess like the last candidate that really support this like initiative because like mainly idea that you cannot have this green energy without nuclear component, mm-hmm. which is very like drastically different from Bernie, which is more like European direction that nuclear energy is also harmful in a certain in a certain way. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. This is a brief overview. Do you would like to add something, Baba? I think we nailed it. Okay, yeah, let's switch to another topic. Let's go. So now we would like to talk about the strategy of defense for the EU that the French President Macron proposed mm-hmm. recently and also related to his recent visit in Poland. Um, so what is interesting that after Brexit, uh, Macron mm-hmm. called for uh, an overhaul of mm-hmm. uh, the US defense strategy. Yeah. Uh, he gave a speech recently uh, saying that, well, now the EU has only one country with a nuclear arsenal and yeah. that he uh, would be happy to put France as a, a nuclear deterrent for the mm-hmm. entire EU. But he also yeah. thinks that the European countries should cooperate more closely together yeah. in terms of achieving uh, basically uh, independence in terms mm-hmm. of defense. Currently, the EU relies yeah. strongly on the US, yeah. and Macron would like to see an EU that's capable of defending itself. And I think it's important to relate mm-hmm. it to the recent visit in Poland. Uh, the yeah. two countries have had a pretty uh, bad relation for the last two years or so. Mm-hmm. Or even more, or even mm-hmm. it, even before the government changed. Uh, I mean, the last elections, mm-hmm. and uh, well, the Polish government cancelled some weapon mm-hmm. deals with France, and there were no yeah. f- official visits between the two countries. And now it looks like France yeah. might allow Poland to join the common German and French mm-hmm. uh, tank projects, and perhaps even the yeah. sixth generation fighter project. So, yeah, it's interesting to see a new development in Europe yeah. for a common defense strategy. So, would you say that this visit was friendly? And like yes, this? it was totally, totally friendly. Macron changed his narrative a mm-hmm. bit. He stopped uh, attacking uh, the Polish government and yeah. was more cordial, I would say. Uh, I guess he didn't talk a lot about the judicial reform in Poland. Yeah, he mentioned it briefly, but he he said, oh yeah, I'm quite concerned about the reforms of the judicial system, but I'm sure everything will be fine. Yeah, that's... So, it was very diplomatic. Yeah, you can see his intention wasn't to push Poland, but more to somehow kind of connect Poland to... Of France and some projects, and to get like the support of Poland and some projects, definitely. Yes, that was an interesting visit. Uh, he spoke uh, quite a lot about Russia. He did. He did. Yes. Uh, he said that he wouldn't consider Russia that himself yeah. anti-Russian or anti-anyone, but yeah. he said that he's pro-European. Yeah, pro-European. I guess uh, still fostering this European common European defense uh, strategy. But also underlying that, like you, like Russia is important for Europe in terms of you should have stable strategic relationship with Russia, you know, not to have any kind of war or any conflict in Europe, which is interesting because you see that Poland is like the most anti-Russian state. So how probably yes? How would you say? So how was the state statement met in Poland in terms of we know that Poland Poland has this anti-Russian sentiments and Macron's. Like position is 
still a little bit pro-Russian, you could say so. Well, he also said that he is definitely not pro-Russian, mm-hmm. but he also isn't anti-Russian, yeah. but he is pro-European. And I think it's a very smart and diplomatic response. Uh, he basically says, okay, guys, uh, we do not hate Russia, yeah. but we will support you should Russia do anything against mm-hmm. you because you are part, part of the EU and I am pro-EU, yeah. so you can count on us to yeah. support you. So I guess this is a very nice response without provoking Russia directly and reassuring True. Polish authorities yeah. that they will have France's support yeah. in terms of international conflicts. So maybe that's just an idea that you have to deal with Russia to a certain degree. You have you should have diplomatic ties. You should have some discussions going on about uh, nuclear weapons and non-proliferation and Iran or stuff like this because you still need a Russian voice in these issues and the France is one of the last uh, European countries that still kind of work with, um, with Russia on these True. issues and yeah this smart approach because you could you don't piss so to speak other countries and and the US as well probably yeah so basically Macron proposed a new vision for EU defense strategies yeah. and it's interesting to see how it will uh, develop if what is the stance of different EU countries in this uh, will, what will Germany say yeah. and different major powers in the EU uh, well I personally think it's quite mm-hmm. an interesting idea and as the uh, president said uh, if the EU does mm-hmm. not foster a common defense strategy yeah. it will just become a testing ground for either mm-hmm. US or uh, yeah. or Russian weapons, and even he said maybe even Ru- Russian or American nuclear weapons, so yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah, basically that's, his point. That's true, and he had also, this week he had also a big speech uh, specifically uh, about nuclear deterrence and security issues, it's like this common, uh, common speech that you French president gives once in his term, so it was pretty big and impressive, and I can underline this idea that uh, he wants all European countries to work on some on this agenda of uh, non uh, on this agenda of nuclear weapons in Europe mm-hmm. to kind of secure safeguard like like Europe as a zone free of like intermediate range nuclear weapons. I mean American and Russians because you have intermediate range uh, like British and French weapons definitely. But I mean to still prevent any kind of nuclear any kind of nuclear intermediate nuclear missiles in Europe, either Russians or Americans. Yep. And so, what else, Vava, would you like to um, would you like to uh, pinpoint from this? Well, I guess we can sum it up that France now sees itself as a driving force for European integration in terms of defense, yeah. and also being the guide for the process, and also the leader yeah. saying. Okay, now we should cooperate more closely. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll provide you guys with nuclear deterrence to scare yeah. Russia off, but we should come up with something to okay. work together at uh, on. So, Dimitri, tell me, what is the driving force behind this uh, agenda yeah. of the president? Do you know where it comes from? What's the point? Yeah, I guess it's hard to say and just to name one reason for that. You, you can pretty much argue that there are some ideas and there are some explanations, but there is no one dominant explanation. Yeah, the first idea would be the so-called like, yeah, geopol- geopolitical reason. It's like the idea that Macron is really worried about like today's uh, France position in today's world, because you see 
of this great power competition and in this great power competition France wants to become if not a minor power, but a power that has its own voice, that has its own policy, that is different from American policy and NATO policy and so on and so forth. He's just like independent state and he also kind of pushes for this European independence as well. This would be first explanation, I would say probable second explanation, it's just like this idea that he has a lot of problems at home. Oh, he does. And he wants to um, distract his audience and distract his uh, voters, uh, saying, yeah, look how much I achieved in the international arena, even though I did not achieve a lot, a lot in domestical issues. Um, this could be some kind of explanation, because truly it's easier to do international politics than domestic politics, especially in France. True. And the last reason I would just say that Macron has a lot of ambitions, ambition, ambitions for future, and he's super young. Yes, he's forty-two right now. Energetic. He even if he ends his second term, if he wins second term, he going like when he retire, he's gonna be something around forty-seven, forty-eight. So and a lot of people saying that he has like great. He has this idea to become a future like European politician, and that's why he plays a lot not only in French politics, but also in European politics. Makes sense. Position himself as European politician. Yeah, that I would say you can you can kind of say that they're all somehow connected and probably that all, all these ideas in Macron's mind, but there is no dominant one, I would say. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. Let's, let's turn to another topic also let's connected move on. to military and nuclear security. And the last topic for today is the official announcement that the U.S. deployed low-yield nuclear warheads. I guess it's an interesting announcement because first it comes with this idea that it deployed this low-yield nuclear warheads on Trident missiles, which is like long-range ballistic missiles, which is kind of unusual to deploy you know, low-yield weapons. I don't know, you can sip your coffee 12,000 kilometers away and you can get nuclear <laughs> warhead. And it's important to note that it was deployed on submarines. Submarines, yes, which gives them some stealth functions and pretty much, um, yeah, interesting choice, interesting decision. So what would you think about this? And because it's, I guess it's the first time like the US uh, officially can deploy this low-yield nuclear missiles on submarine? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I would say it's an interesting turn away from yeah. Obama's policy yeah. of lessening the reliance on the nuclear arsenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it's again done with deterrence in mind. Uh, yeah. I guess especially to deter Russia and perhaps China. Yeah. Uh, this basically shows that both, both the of those countries would not be able to use their yeah. own tactical and low-yield nuclear weapons without uh, receiving a yeah. very swift response. Uh, because such a, well, this was already thought of during the Soviet times, yeah. where the Soviet Union actually had a um, very well-developed war plan with uh, low-yield nuclear mm -hmm. weapons to basically uh, destroy the enemy quickly and yeah. without losses of millions of lives. So I guess uh, the U.S. wants to show countries like Russia and China that if you use yeah. such weapons, we'll strike you back. Yeah, the U.S. Uh, blames Russia for deploying too many uh, low-yield nuclear weapons and warheads, and just like Russia has 
uh, way more nu low yield nuclear capabilities, but Russia again denies it because they're not so clear what kind of warheads you can consider low yield, what kind of not low yield, and of course it's you should have some kind of examination commission and kind of common agreements about that you know, to successfully um, manage this manage this issue and prevent any kind of deployment of this missiles. Yeah, I guess there is like a threat, important threat, that now it's sometimes um, when you have a missile attack and just like this idea and you strike with this low-yield nuclear missile, whether you're going to strike back with a full blow, with a full nuclear response. Yeah, or, a question of escalation. Yes, or you're, gonna, or you're gonna strike back with just some tactical missiles, okay, low-yield nuclear missiles, and I don't know. So, like, tactical nuclear missiles develop specifically for warfare, so they're not... They have another purpose as other nuclear weapons yes. do. As the name suggests, not, not yeah. strategic, but tactical. But tactical. And this bears a lot of um, risks and consequences, so to speak. Yes, I think it's also interesting to relate it to the withdrawal from the INF Treaty yeah. and basically the abandonment of any uh, hopes of uh, nuclear yeah. arms uh, control. Yeah, but what do you think, Baba? Why does like U.S. military really need this? Because they have so many capabilities, other capabilities to deter aggression. Well, in terms of uh, aggression. Uh, in a conventional style or with a really limited usage mm -hmm. of nuclear weapons, as I said, a tactical nuke, uh, it's good to have something to strike back. I mean, if Russia decided to, let's say, I don't know, uh, actually invade the Baltic states yeah. and to use one tactical nuke, yeah. Uh, if the U.S. had only strategic nukes, I mm -hmm. guess the response would not be adequate. If they suddenly uh, sent a you know a ninety yeah. megaton uh, yeah. nuclear warhead onto Russia, I guess striking a military target with a low yield yeah. weapon would be a more adequate uh, response without risking a huge escalation that yeah. would be dangerous to the entire population of the planet Earth. That's true, but this also decreases this threshold for the usage of nuclear weapons, of course. This is true. Yeah, and that's why I guess it's important to um, understand that this is happening right now and we are pretty much all in danger of being affected by those nuclear weapons probably in the future. We are, unfortunately. And for today, I guess that's, that's all. Yes, this is it. Thanks for listening to us. Um, rate our podcast on, on whatever platform you're listening to um, send us mails if you want with questions or with topics and see you next week see ya